Welcome to Return to Oz Minute. We're the podcast that's analyzing the 1985 Disney movie Return to Oz 60 seconds of film at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And this week, we're joined by another special guest, Daniel MacArthur. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome! <laughs> From the Listener Society to your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you were just hanging out online. I said, hey, why don't you come talk about Return to Oz with us? <laughs> Today, we're going to specifically talk about Minute 48, which starts with Belina basically expressing that she is not a fan of Oz so far. They're locked away in a tower by a princess who changes heads. I don't really blame her. And it ends 60 seconds later with a Dorothy calling, or with a pumpkin calling Dorothy mom. So, what a twist. We've got a new character, we've got a new guest. This is exciting stuff. <laughs> and my head feels pretty ripe by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is Welcome to Heads Podcast. Um, so, I guess we'll start at the top of the minute. Belina says, I'd rather take my chances back in Kansas. And we've seen, actually, I should have asked before I started, uh, Dan, have you seen this whole movie or just this week? Actually, I, I just watched the whole movie today. <laughs> okay, great. So you're aware that Belina's life is threatened everywhere she goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be stressful to be a chicken. Got to lay her eggs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. At least Mombi isn't, like, pressuring her to have a kid. Yeah, it's hard out there for girls. Um, and I am very... All right, so you've listened to the show. Mike and I... Not farming experts. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a bit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, okay. I did research today. All right. Because Dorothy Witt says she wishes she could fly away like Belina. And Belina says, only in my younger days, dear. <laughs> and then I asked, started asking myself if chickens can fly. And even though I thought I knew the answer to that question, I took the internet away. Uh, www.backyardchickencoops.com.au au slash ken dash chickens dash fly <laughs> will tell you that some chicken oh wait no oh, they might give it a good flap but they certainly won't soar in the sky <laughs> so Belina's not escaping by flying away from this tower and then it talks about wing clipping and swears it doesn't hurt them but i didn't look that closely because i don't actually have chickens that i need to worry about flying over fences <laughs> I, I tried to do my due diligence this time instead of just, like, wondering. <laughs> I think we actually referred to BackyardChickenCoops.com like 35 episodes ago. <laughs> Is that the same one we do? <laughs> I don't remember what we looked up, but that, that sounds familiar. It's a good site, apparently. <laughs> Full of information. Two people who grew up nowhere near chickens. Sometimes I visited chickens. But yeah, I, it's yeah, <laughs> not something I was concerned about. Um, and Dan, you're also from the suburbs of New England, so I'm assuming you don't have extensive chicken knowledge. But I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume. I'm sorry. Well, actually, we have a bunch of neighbors that have chickens, but I don't. I've never seen any fly, so it's hard to say. <laughs> I just like the description. Like they'll give it a good yeah. flap. Like it's not that they don't have wings. It's not that they won't leave the ground, but. You know, they're just kind of, it, it's exaggerated hopping from what I uh, can yeah. gather. <laughs> um, if I, Dorothy turns back to the room, and so this is your first chance to talk about 
this lovely, dusty storage room, apparently, that she has been locked away in. Um, anything stick out at you, or anything you wanted to mention? Uh, nothing in particular. I did think that rocking horse looked neat with the red spots on it. See, I'm worried he has some horrible <laughs> Rocking horse measles. Oh, measles are red spots, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to remember from, like, books set in earlier times than I've broken. <laughs> yeah, my first thought was like, oh my god, it's covered in red spots. That's not a normal horse color. <laughs> uh, and then we get another good look at this bust, and I still have no idea who this is. I'm sorry, I'm used to I would guess Alexander the Great, but I have no idea as well. <laughs> I mean, it's Greco-Roman guy, but it, it, sorry, scanning through, trying to get to the one where you can actually see it, because she goes over to look at some painting, and it's just over her right shoulder. Yeah. I don't know. The movie Alexander ruined Alexander the Great for me, and I can't picture him with short hair like that, even though it's much more likely his hair looked like that than whatever was going on in that movie. Uh, but, alright. I, I guess We'll just have to live in wonder. Um, and then we see a painting. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, Mike, does it specify this at all in the script? Does it say what she's looking at? or? Yes. In fact, the description is quite wonderful. Yes. So in the, in the script, it's uh, described as a huge painting with three faded figures. So this is... This doesn't look that faded. Uh, they're identified as the Scarecrow, blissful beneath his crown, the Tin Woodman, all-contained pride, and the Cowardly Lion, a manic glint in his eye. Eye. The Cowardly Lion has become a Cyclops, and... Oh my god. That's supposed to be a manic glint? Manic glint, blissful Scarecrow, uh... and... If anyone looks blissful, it's the Tin Man, or the, yeah. I'm sorry, the Tin Woodman. Oh, whatever. All contained pride. I guess, I guess I could see all contained pride for him. Um, the Scarecrow looks perfectly fine, except that it looks like he has a black eye. <laughs> I'm looking at second 38. It looks like, what is that? That's his left. All right. It definitely looks bruised. I think he's been in a fight. Maybe he's blissful because he won the fight? Possibly. <laughs> And then the last one we see is the manic, cowardly lion, which, I mean, he does look rather excited about stuff. And um, I specific, it is a giant one. I guess I could see faded. I mean, it's not vibrant by any stretch of the Nothing is, but still. Um, but I wanted to bring it up because for anyone listening who hasn't been cool enough to watch the movie, like Dan, um, <laughs> these are the pre-MGM Scarecrow, Cowardly Lion, and Tin Woodman. Um, because these portrayals of them were in the public domain, so Disney saved a few bucks, and this is what they look like in this movie. <laughs> Along the lines of saving a few bucks, I, I am doing a podcast favorite of live Googling. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at busts of Julius Caesar's head. and Julius Caesar. You know, as a non-art expert, I'm going to say there's probably a lot of Julius Caesar busts just floating around. Maybe. <laughs> that might just have been the easiest one to find. I mean, the hair's right. 
and it's the right, you know, style. I like the idea of Disney just raiding a warehouse in England, because, um, shoot, now I don't remember which studios they were filming this at, but I kind of wonder if they were just in England like, what do you got? Put it in this room. <laughs> uh, never mind. I was going to Google it, and then I'm, like, failing at even that. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> this is the, uh, the first of two, two rooms we'll see that are, that are full of stuff, but uh, this is one of one of my favorite sets in the in the movie because it just feels like it's it it feels like it's just an old closet full of whatever like we we don't know if this this you know the scarecrow was using this as his residence or this is where the wizard lived or the departed royal family or did Mombi live in the tower before and she's just still in the tower like none of that's been been addressed but it looks like people have come in they've changed things around and they've just dumped stuff in this room. Probably the scarecrow painting was after the fall of the scarecrow. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the stuff, like there's, why would Mombi get rid of a bust of, you know, a random Roman slash Aussian visitor? <laughs> like why get rid of the the, the horse? Uh, you know, unless there was a child living there when Mombi took the, the premises. Like it just looks like people have gone up here. They've dumped stuff in the tower and they've just forgotten about it. Okay, maybe I'm showing my millennial privilege, but you've just described the attic of my parents' house. <laughs> when my grandmother downsized, all the extra stuff went there. When I moved out, a bunch of stuff went there. Not gonna lie, I'm looking at a piece of furniture that I'm pretty sure this fall is going to go join its brethren in my parents' attic until someday when I eventually own a house or a much larger <laughs> apartment. So, yeah, I guess I could see that. Maybe that's why this set doesn't impress me as much as the others, because it's like, everyone's house has a room like that. I mean, they're usually not this pretty. Usually don't have these cool windows, but the idea of a dusty attic full of just stuff that you can't quite bring yourself to get rid of, but you don't need anymore, feels right. I'm just waiting for John Arbuckle to come in and work with Garfield on a Halloween costume. <gasps> Should I be thinking this and letting me... Oh, boy, it's only Monday and I'm already... Sorry, losing my mind. Um, That's going to be a drop. <laughs> Believe me, you get me around Halloween, I can do the whole thing. Um, any thoughts before we move on to this new character that we hear for the first time as she's looking at the painting? Uh, I don't think so, not for me. Okay, well then, I'm going to put you on the, thought, on the spot. What do you think of this pumpkin guy? <laughs> I actually think he's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm trying not to be freaked out by the echoey mob. Because <laughs> it takes her a while to yeah. spot him. Which we saw a little corner of him before. Oh my god. Sorry. I accidentally froze it on second 51 and she's just like staring up at the ceiling. <laughs> Dorothy. I mean, clearly that's not where it's coming from. Um, do we have a better... Do we have a good description of him, or were they just, like, in the script, yeah, there'll be this Jack Pumpkinhead thing, the uh, tech department's working on it. <laughs> no, in fact, it isn't, the, uh, the script writers were in, were in peak performance uh, for this, for this scene. Right next to the painting is a potted royal pump, oh, never mind, forget that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, behind, there is. Behind wrong. great fronds, heaped against the wall is... A slim fellow, and very tall if he were standing, as the parenthetical description, whose head is round and of a lustrous orange-red color. His eyes are round, 
His nose three-cornered, and his mouth is shaped like a jagged new moon. This face cannot be considered strictly beautiful, but it wears a smile so big and broad and is so jolly in expression that for all her troubles, Dorothy smiles when she sees it. The body beneath it is in terrible shape, a wreck, as if it had been thrown against a wall with great force. Its joints are undone and tangled among purple trousers, a red shirt, and a pink vest with white spots. A long stick leg here, a stick arm with three long twig fingers there. Nowhere in that multi-paragraph description does it say it's a pumpkin man. <laughs> Burying the lead there, scriptwriters. <laughs> Not even close. Oh my gosh. His head is orange. That's the closest they come to saying I he's mean, a pumpkin. <laughs> his name is Jack Pumpkinhead. I feel like, did they just think we knew? Oh man. Yeah, this is quite an ensemble he has as he lies here. Um, like you said, the purple trousers. That looks more like like a paisley-ish, pinkish top to me, but I'm sure we'll see more of him soon. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember the name of uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt's podcast that she does where her co-host calls her. <laughs> She's, and Dorothy's even younger than her. Um, all right. Anything else for this minute? Or are you just going to sit there and bask in the script that buries... <laughs> The fact that this man's head is a pumpkin. <laughs> oh. uh, let's see. Well, since I was Googling anyway, uh, <laughs> I did come across some Wikipedia notes also. It, I was seeing if they had the studio listed. But I think we'll have to check check the actual credits or IMDb or something. But it did uh, it did bring up a quick, quick uh, bit of trivia that the video release was also in 1985, which... Feels incredible. Since this movie came out in June, That's that was really fast for the time. It was, but I'd be curious to see if it was, like, for Christmas. Yeah. Or if it was earlier in time for Halloween. Because if they got it for Halloween, that's fast. But I do remember it used to feel like a six-month turnaround. Like, things would come out in the summer, and then there would be the push to get them in stores so people would buy them as Christmas presents. That's how it felt to me. The price in 1985... Mm -hmm. $79.95. Whoa! <laughs> Which, in 2017 dollars, would be the equivalent of $182. Whoa. <laughs> I'm beginning to know why we didn't have a copy of this movie. It's caught it on TV. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have, like, all the movies or anything growing up. We had some purchased films. In the 80s, I'm positive my parents did not spend the equivalent of two, almost $200 <laughs> on any movie that, uh, especially, well, we didn't, we didn't, we taped this one off, <laughs> we, taped, we taped this one off the TV, but they wouldn't have spent that on this. Although I do love the idea of, like, little kid Mike Carlucci begging his parents for this <laughs> and them just being like, maybe it's worth it to, like, um, yeah, that's even more than you spent getting the Blu-ray off. I, I almost the craziest thing. I spent almost forty dollars on that Blu-ray, and <laughs> that's more than I've spent on any movie. I mean, I, I had to get it off of off of eBay, but still, like that was that was that's two movies at minimum. <laughs> and this is, for that you could buy like hundred eighty-one dollars. You can almost buy yourself like an Xbox. We um we had a lot of Disney movies on tape, but generally the cartoon ones. Um. 
I don't know what they were go. They seemed horribly expensive to me, but I'm thinking I'm pretty sure the Lion King was thirty dollars, and we were just like thirty dollars for a VHS. But it's the Lion King. We need it. Like we must have this. Um, and uh, my uh, my family also. Sorry, FBI was very big on, especially. Um, <laughs> Remember Disney would do those free weekends? Oh, yeah. And then it would have at the bottom, like, to subscribe, call, and the 1-800 number? <laughs> yeah. Yes. We have we had several things taped that had that at the bottom. Well, I'm sure everyone did those days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, my, my family did subscribe to the Disney Channel, and I had friends who I'm pretty sure were only friends with me because they could come over and watch it at my house. <laughs> That was like my mom's big splurge when we got cable of, because th- back then they would show a lot of the old like 60s movies mm-hmm. and she really wanted those. And like the um, Aven- Avonlea show, Tales of Avonlea, I don't remember what it was. It's not Anna Green Gables, but they did a TV show of it that she was super into. <laughs> and so that was our big splurge was the Disney Channel. <laughs> but yeah, the, that's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm still in shock about that. Oh, maybe that's why this movie wasn't bigger. No one could afford it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get, we'll get to it later, but I think, would it, did it make $2 million in theaters on a budget of 20 or $2 million opening? It, it, it didn't do well in the theater either. I don't know how jacking up the price on VHS. They thought they would make more money, but... The numbers were unfortunate all around, is what we're saying. <laughs> they just put it straight in the vault. That would have created demand, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. The fault. Um, I'm so cynical about the fault. <laughs> I, yeah. And that's probably why we had so many of the animated ones on tape. Which is like, oh, but it'll go back in the vault. Yeah, that's how they got everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh. What was your, like, must-get Disney? Did you have one? Uh, I, I think we had most of the animated ones as they came out. I mean, my two personal favorites were the... Lion King and Aladdin. Mm. But growing up, I do remember watching The Sword in the Stone and The Black Cauldron a lot. Uh, see, I didn't see Black Cauldron until I was a grown-up. I love Sword in the Stone. My hands-down favorite, some of my first words, um, Disney's Robin Hood. Oh, yes, I love that one. <laughs> I loved Robin Hood. Uh, that is, we still have the clamshell, but, like, there's no spine anymore because that broke off. <laughs> um, and then... It lives in infamy um, because I I think one of the very few movies that I saw in the theater more than once, uh, The Little Mermaid, I was the perfect age for it. I was a six-year-old girl and The Little Mermaid hit theaters and my brain exploded basically. <laughs> so my dad went and bought it as soon as it came out on tape. And you may have heard about the cover of the tape for The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So we've got that because my dad bought it right away, like took it out of the shrink wrap. We watched it. And then when that happened, you could bring those back and trade them in for a non-adulterated copy. And my dad thought it was so hysterical. He was like, no, we're keeping this. (laughs) So we still have, when I took psychology in high school and we were talking about that, I brought it in like basically as my last show and tell ever in school of, this is what it looked like, and, you know, as a little kid, I definitely didn't see any, that's just what the castle looked like, <laughs> as far as I knew, but, yeah. Um, yeah, that, the Little Mermaid was my get, and then I remember the Lion King being my sister's, because she had been taken to see it in theaters, and then 
lost it during the uh, wildebeest stampede uh-huh. and had to be taken home. Oh. So she actually hadn't seen the whole thing. <laughs> so she she felt a lot braver once we were in our living room. She could make it through. <laughs> anyway, I mean, this is a Disney movie. It's related, but oh, yeah. I guess I guess we should wrap up for today <laughs> and come back tomorrow and learn more about this pumpkin man. <laughs> All Sounds right. good. Um, Daniel, do you have anything you wanted to plug? I know you mentioned you've guessed it on another podcast before. Or? Oh, yeah, the Mogwai Minute guys let me guest on their show, and that was a great time. Oh, nice. I, re- I really want to give that one a listen and also make Mike do it because he's a weirdo who hasn't seen Gremlins. Oh. I thought Mogwai was a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair... I don't think I, like, put that together the first time I saw it. <laughs> but then when someone was like, oh, yeah, the Gremlins one, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And he was just like, I, I don't. Because <laughs> Gizmo was a Mogwai, and the bad ones are Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I had I had the little, like, figurines. I had one of Gizmo. And, um, <laughs> um, the bad guy. <laughs> uh, Spike. Or no, Stripe. <laughs> Spike. Stripe. <laughs> Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. And it's great because I had a cousin who was way too young to be watching Gremlins, <laughs> but was obsessed with um, the Hi-Ho song from Snow White. <laughs> so someone showed him, like, just that scene <laughs> when they are in the movie theater. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's like, these three, we shouldn't be watching this. Um, anyway, if you want to talk more about Return to Oz, and possibly other Disney and 80s. Come back tomorrow. Um, in the meantime, you'll find all three of us hanging out on the Listener's Flying Sofa, which is our Facebook group. Uh, and the links to our Facebook, our Twitter, all that fun stuff are on our website, returntoozminute.com. Or weogtiogpiog.com. So, Daniel, you know what we're about to rope you into doing, right? I'll try to. <laughs> we're we're going to say magic words. Oh, yeah. We can do this. So Mike and I will start it off, and then you just join us on the third word, which is yuck. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'll start it off since I'm already talking. Uh, weog. Tiog. Piog. Piog. Piog.